Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon. Thanks so much for subscribing and downloading. If you haven't yet done so, please rate and review and also share with friends and family. On this episode, I had the chance to talk with Kim Nolder. She shares her journey with breast cancer at the age of 39 years old. Kim talked about being hypervigilant with her health after losing her mom to breast cancer. Kim went in for a baseline mammogram and came out with a diagnosis of cancer. Take a listen in as she shares her story. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I'm here with Kim Nolder, and I know Kim from um, actually our time in Pittsburgh. We uh, had an association through uh, the local school district. So welcome, Kim. I'm thankful that you're here with us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about your breast cancer diagnosis. So I know that you were diagnosed in January of 2014, uh, and you uh, were diagnosed with DCIS, which is the ductal carcinoma in C2, which was uh, throughout your your breast. Uh, so that made you a stage zero. So tell me a little bit about your uh, diagnosis, like how old were you when you were diagnosed? Um, how did you even find it? Was it a sure. typical mammogram? What were you doing? Um, so I've always kind of been on top of um, breast health because my mom had breast cancer and passed away at the age of 60 from it. So when we had our kids, I always, um, you know, talked about what was going on and, and did I need to do anything early and, and things like that. And, um, at 39, my doctor agreed that I could go a year early to get a mammogram. I had just finished breastfeeding my youngest son and she said I needed to wait six months. So waited six months, which was Christmas time. And she said, you know what, give, give yourself a little break, go after the holidays. Um, happened to call that um, that week and they said, you know what, it's a snowstorm outside that's coming and nobody wants to come in today and everybody's canceling. Would you like to come in? Um, and I said, sure. So that was like January 2nd, I think of that year and went down and they found it in my, um, first mammogram. And, um, that was supposed to be my baseline going forward, but they called me back to have a, uh, second, which, um, my sister, who is older than I am, has had to do before, so I assumed we were going to do like an ultrasound or something like that. And they said no; they just wanted to do one side. Um, and they did. I had done a 3D um, mammogram at the beginning, and they decided they wanted to do just a traditional. And everybody else in the waiting room was kind of being told they could leave, and I sat around and waited. And they said that the radiologist wanted to actually talk to me, and I knew that couldn't be good uh. news. Yes. So um, my breast cancer was on the left side, same as my mom's. Um, and that's kind of how things started out that year of 2014. So um, 
Yeah, wasn't a wasn't a great wasn't a great way to kick off the New Year's, but no, I'm glad those not. people canceled, and I'm glad the snowstorm was there because it got me in. Yeah, I mean that that definitely worked out in your favor um, for sure Absolutely. because I know that it's not always easy to get in for those initial assessments, um, right. and many times people have to wait a couple of weeks to get in. Um, so I'm yeah. glad you were able to do that. So. Um, yeah. Because your mom had breast cancer, you had Mm -hmm. said that they were like, okay, it's fine to go a year ahead of schedule. So typically the the recommendation is at 40 years. Um, How many years is there are there between you and your sister? Um, So my sister's 11 years older than I am. Okay. Um, So she had been going for a while. um, And... We actually, uh, when I went to the oncologist, I was given the option I could do radiation and a lumpectomy or she was willing to do a single mastectomy. Um, I guess because the way I presented to her and because I had always said that if anything ever came up in them, I would not want to keep them. I'd want to do a mastectomy. Um, and I was pretty straightforward with that with the doctor. And I said, would you be willing to take both? And she kind of looked over my records and she said, yes, um, based on family history and, and how my current age and, and all that good stuff. She offered to do bracket testing before I made the decision. Um, I agreed to do some bracket testing because I wanted to help my nieces and my Mm -hmm. sister so is there a genetic um, mutation? So I get- so there is. Okay. So the brackets, ha- I agreed to do it, but it wasn't going to change my mind. We went ahead and scheduled the surgeries. Um, and I said, we can do the bracket testing, but no matter what it comes back, this is my decision. Um, and I want to do the double mastectomy, even if it comes back that there is no BRCA link. Right. Um, and there is a BRCA link. Um, my dad eventually got tested as well, because obviously my mother's not with us anymore to be tested um so she uh he got tested and it came back that he did not carry it okay um and in doing some of my own research we found out that my mom's probably started about the same age Hmm. um and because of when when she was diagnosed um you know that would have been i don't know like 25 years ago um, or more that they didn't have the technology they have today to find it when it was smaller. Right. Um, So had they had today's technology, she would still be with us. So, yeah. And then did your sister also get tested? Yes. So my sister got tested and she tested negative. Um, So that did not impact any of her children. Right. Um, my brother opted not to get tested. Um, he chose not to. However, his, uh, daughters have all, my nieces on that side all have the information that they need, um, as far as what gene, exact gene it is, um, that is the problem and, and where that mutation sits. Uh, they also will start getting mammograms at 29. Okay. Instead of 40, because it's 10 years before I was diagnosed. Um, And then on my mom's side of the family, both daughters carry, and one daughter has had a single mastectomy from cancer as well. So it is definitely a hereditary link on that side. 
So my running joke for my family is I may look nothing like my mother and look exactly like my father. However, I definitely carry her genes inside of me because <laughs> um, I definitely have that and that definitely came from her side. So Right. Um, yeah. Well, so there was one thing that you mentioned, though, which was you you did it for your nieces. And right. so I think there's there always tends to be a misconception yes. that it only gets exactly. passed on to girls. Um, right. And you have three, three little boys. I've got three boys. And you know, the interesting thing with at my, at that point in time, I did it for my nieces. Cause I didn't know any better. You know, I didn't yeah. think of male breast cancer. I didn't think of, I thought of that as the breast cancer gene. However, the BRCA2 gene, which I carry impacts ovarian prostate pancreatic and breast and so that puts them at a higher risk for that pancreatic and prostate absolutely um so they aren't um i don't believe they will be tested i believe they get tested the same time frame that um that you would test if i had had a girl so they wait until after they've completed puberty okay um, to test them as well that's how they um, at least that was at the time when I looked up the la- latest recommendation was to wait till puberty um, had completed. So um, I have a little bit more time before we get through that with um, my oldest. Right. And uh, then we'll have to broach that subject with um, with him and, and see what we do want to do. It would just mean additional testing for him. Uh, for me, the only thing I'm still at high risk for is um, pancreatic mm-hmm. because I opted it, almost exactly 30 days after I had my double mastectomy, I had a full hysterectomy done. Right. Um, so, and so I'm going to yeah. kind of pop back yeah. over. I certainly want to talk about your um, course of treatment and we've t- touched on it a little bit. But so in terms of, you know, really approaching that with your children, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously it kind of sounds like you haven't had any discussion. Um, how old is your oldest at this point? So my oldest just turned 13. Okay, so he's going to be starting actually, that yeah, puberty stage. Yeah, so he's just, unfortunately, I don't want to announce this on a podcast, but unfortunately, yes, we've just started to venture into that into that realm um, with him. But, you know, none of my children know my diagnosis and what okay. my diagnosis was at that point in time. We, um, the only thing that they knew at the time five years ago was that um, breast cancer is what caused their grandmother not to be here. Okay. Um, so that was their only association with it, um, which wasn't a positive. Right. Uh, they were so young. My you know, my youngest, when the, I was going through this, was two. Okay. Uh, so the knowledge and the ability to comprehend what was going on was not going to be there for him. Um, so we opted to just say that, um, and because I didn't have to do any radiation, I didn't have to do any chemo afterwards, I didn't have to do any follow-up. Uh, we opted to explain to them, you know, that they knew that... Uh, their grandmother, Nunny, had um, a problem and that that her, um, we call them Nunnies, your boobs, <laughs> that, her, that her breast had, had, had caused her to be sick and that um, mommy didn't want to, to have that happen. And so I was doing this um, so that I could stay healthy, okay. um, which ultimately was pretty much why I chose to do what I was choosing to do because I didn't want it to recur. Sure. Um, and at that point in time, it was stage zero and, and 
you know, I had no lymphatic involvement and, um, and so, yeah, so that, that's, that's pretty much the way we've handled it now. I think my oldest has an idea simply because, um, simply because he's, he's heard us talking enough to know, um, and everything, but, um, hasn't hasn't really said anything if he came out and asked me i'm sure i would i would tell him the truth and 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 he's old enough now to know that um and understand it and know what it means and i've been here for five years since then right so so you kind of have that feeling that initially it would have really just been hard for them to understand that there would be a possibility of survival because their first experience was not so positive um right Okay. Yeah. And, and that was their only experience with it was was knowing that she's not here. And right. that's why. Yeah. Um, and I would imagine so. that that conversation as the time gets closer to, mm-hmm. you know, when your oldest is able to get tested, um, will be kind of a difficult conversation to have. Um, yeah. Do you think that at that point you will, if he does not ask you prior to then, um, do you think at that point you will share with him that, yes, you had yes. a diagnosis? Okay. Yes. Um, yes, I will. And actually, I just went through, um, I just had um, an implant exchange okay. done um, because I had the um, textured implants. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to go through all of that and opted to change them out before I had any symptoms or before there was any problems with them. Um, So I tend to be proactive. I'd rather be in control of the situation and be in control of when it happens and how it happens than wait until, you know, I had some swelling or something like that come up. So, um, yeah, I definitely definitely think that that conversation will happen um i know that they i know that they know about it i know that they know i just underwent the surgery um you know about back in april so they're aware that it's something that i still um have to work with but um yeah we'll see we'll see how it goes as as time goes on with them for sure for sure so you talked a little bit about, so you had the bilateral mastectomy, you did not have to do any of the radiation or the chemotherapy, you did opt to have the hysterectomy. Uh, was the hysterectomy a result of having the BRCA2 mutation, or was it in combination of, like, were you also estrogen progesterone positive? So I was estrogen positive. Okay. Um, and I actually had some blood work done that I was supposed to. It was kind of ironic how it happened. Um, but I actually had some blood work done. Um, I guess like it was supposed to be done going into surgery for the double mastectomy, but it ended up not, they didn't do it because it wasn't in the chart. So they did it after. Um, and some of the, the CA9 that does, um, that, that does whether or not you're, you're showing signs of ovarian cancer. I want to say it's, I think it's the CA125. 125. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, so, uh, that came up a little bit pos- uh, higher than okay. it should have been. Um, and that's what prompted us to do it faster. So I actually had my gynecological oncology visit the morning of my double mastectomy. Oh, wow. 
So um, I went in and I was in Pittsburgh. I went to McGee and um, I I just said, you know, we have to be here at noon anyways. Um, do you have, what do you have in the morning? Might as well make a day of it. Can't eat, can't do anything else. What else um, are you going to do? Go see another doctor. What else am I going to do but worry about what's going to happen at noon? So I might as well have something else to take my mind off of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's what, what prompted me to do it so quickly. Um, if it hadn't been elevated, I probably would have waited a little bit okay. um, before doing it. But that's, yeah, that's what prompted me to to move forward with doing it quickly. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, just, yeah, yeah um, you're kind of in that position where you've got to, you know, start making decisions. And, you know, you said you have, you know, three, three young kids that you have to take care of yeah. and wanted to make sure that you were there for them. So, yeah, um, absolutely. So then I, th- I believe I recall hearing you talking yeah. at some point in time about doing physical therapy though. So, yeah. So I immediately went um, within probably two or three days of having my double mastectomy, I immediately went over and started having um, lymphatic massage. So I started that therapy almost immediately. Um, and then from there, moved over to physical therapy and um, started that shortly, I want to say within a month or so. Um, and I did physical therapy to reset my core from having the hysterectomy and um, to work on my arms and strength and movement ability and stretching and all that kind of stuff. So because I had um, I had the textured implants mm-hmm. that were shaped, um, they were under my pec muscles. So I had a lot of tightness and a lot of spasming from, from that initially. Right. Um, and the physical therapy really helped, um, a ton with that and helped get things back in to shape and, and stretch things out. And actually, ironically, I just came home this afternoon from doing physical therapy after having them replaced. Right. I did see uh, that. Because I, yeah. <laughs> I was creeping out, creeping on Facebook. Yeah. Creeping around. Oh, uh, that's not really creeping. We're not really. On <laughs> that's true, um, but. but um, yeah, so I just, it, it seems to be my left arm just doesn't want to cooperate and do what it's supposed to do. So um, went in and, and had some physical therapy kind of consultation. And um, yeah, so hopefully that'll be bad. It's, it's, you know, for some people it probably would be good. But for me, it's just not there yet. It needs some help and um, needs to get full range of motion so I can swim and things like that again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so are you taking any kind of medication? No. No, they didn't. I'm not. Okay. No, I don't have to take. um, That was one of the. I don't want to say benefits of doing double mastectomy because there's never a benefit to do it right. to doing a mastectomy. But um, one of the reasons um, that I opted to do both was it was done. Um, it was you did the surgery and you were and, and there was no additional um, medication needed, no additional therapies needed, no additional anything like that, um, that was necessary. So I get followed now just by a regular OBGYN. Okay. And, um, and and yeah, so it, I, 
there's no there's no daily medication. I remember my mom taking it and not liking it, and yeah. it having not so great side effects. So that was a big influencer, I think, in my mind as to why I always said, you know. And my saying when I was going through it was, you know, if they're not behaving, just like the queen, off with their heads, you know, <laughs> so they're they're not behaving, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, they don't need to be there anymore then, um, right. and that was kind of my theory through it and, and how I kind of worked through it. Okay. Um, so are you getting, oh, yeah. are you getting mammogram, or not mammogram, sorry, you don't want that, um, are you getting MRIs at least no. as well? No. Okay. No, Mm-mm. no, because it was stage zero. Okay. They didn't feel that I um, needed to do any of that. I have the option to do um, do them on uh, my pancreas, so they have some baselines and can't catch anything because that's another silent one. Right. Um, so uh, we have that piece to to kind of compare to and and work from and see if anything's going on with. Um, but other than that, no, and they were, I, you know, it's funny cause you always wonder what's going on. And that was another reason why I decided to do the mastectomy because I'm not patient. Like that's my biggest downfall. <laughs> I'm the least patient person in the whole wide world. And, um, I knew knowing there was something going on and not being able to know what it was or wondering if something was going on, I wouldn't have the patience to wait and find out if something was going on. So just not having them there at all kind of gave me a little bit of reinsurance. Yeah. Um, but at least you know that about yourself, right? Like, yeah, you know, don't I do. set yourself up for being in a position I, where. Yeah. And, and I am the first person we just, we just bought a house. And the first thing I told to the person that was doing our loan or to our mortgage broker was I am the least patient person in the world. So don't get offended when I call you in the morning and don't hear from you in the afternoon and send you a text message. I'm just not patient. It's just who I am. I'm not upset. I'm not, you know, I'm just not very patient when it comes to things like that. Um, Put a two-year-old in front of me and I'm great. But (laughs) when it comes to adulting things, I have no patience whatsoever. So, um, you know, I had talked to a friend who had had breast cancer um, when I went through this and she had had it right before I did. And uh, she said, you know, the biggest, her biggest thing is she, I was always worried, is there something else going on? Right. Is there something else going on? Because she had the lumpectomy and she always wonders, is there something, mm. is is it coming back? Is it back? Um, I mean, I still have that risk with the chest wall piece sure. um, being there, but the fact that we got it so early and there were several, I'm glad I did do the double mastectomy because there were several spots on my right side as well that were pre-cancerous that would have ended up, um, you know, I would have, it would have been every couple, yeah, every couple of years, I probably would have been going in to get another lumpectomy and more radiation. So um, have you done the screening for pancreatic? I heard you say that you have the choice to do it. Have you actually done the pancreatic screenings yet? Oh, I have not. <laughs> okay. So um, in Pittsburgh, it was offered to me and I didn't get a chance to do it before we moved. Um, and now we're in North Carolina. So I am working on um, the doctors down here to agree to do it just because down here it's um I'm not going through like a live well center okay like I was in Pittsburgh and so uh it just doesn't seem to be a priority like it was in Pittsburgh so I'm just trying to navigate through finding someone who would agree to um doing the scan and 
that it would be worthwhile to do um, and worthwhile to check things out and just make sure everything's good absolutely. and okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I feel like, yeah. you know, it's sometimes we just have to be that squeaky wheel. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes the doctors don't necessarily listen yeah. to us. And I don't yeah. mean to say that, you know, in a negative way, but yeah, and it's not all doctors. It's, you know, some doctors, but yeah. we really do need to advocate for our own needs. So I hope that you're able to yeah. get that scan done. So at least you do have that baseline. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, now's always the perfect time to do it because you've met all your deductibles and you're out of pockets and all that right. kind of good stuff <laughs> from the first surgery. You might as well, you know, take advantage of all that money you put towards insurance. Yeah. And everything. All of that insurance and, and stuff. Use it all. Yeah. And use it all to your benefit. For exactly. Sure. Exactly. For sure. For sure. Now, but do yes. you get bone scans then? Because you so have a hysterectomy? Okay, you're at least yeah, doing that. So I, yeah, so I get bone density scans, which have always come out fine. Um, I, um, yeah, I get, I, I do the bone density scans and they haven't really come up marked, uh, you know, high, high or anything like that. I kind of watch calcium, I watch vitamin Ds, I watch all that kind of stuff. I'm kind of hyper vigilant about blood work. Okay. Um, and, and just kind of monitoring all my vitamin levels and, 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 and watching what those all are doing. And, um, actually recently started talking to a nutritionist to find out if there's some things that I need to be doing there. Um, because I was seeing one in Pittsburgh and kind of laid off of that for a while. Um, so glad to have found someone here yeah, that, for sure. that makes that makes sense because nutrition, you know, plays a big part in it and and how healthy you are and how resilient you are to things. So Right. For yeah. sure. And it's all those little pieces of things. Like yeah. do being able to do, you know, something over here and, you know, something else over mm-hmm. here. And it really sounds like, you know, you exactly said it that you're really, you know, staying on top of things. Um, to kind of make sure that you do reduce that that risk um, of Absolutely. you know any kind of recurrence in terms of breast cancer or the development or of something else. Yeah, yeah, so. and it's amazing how linked they are together and how um, you know how how linked when you know you've got that BRCA piece going on how um, how linked it is to other other areas and and things you didn't necessarily realize. Absolutely. So, I agree. I have the yeah. same mutation, so I, I get yeah. it. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it definitely, um, you know, you do one thing hoping that it's going to take care of that. And then you do another thing hoping that it's going to take care of that next thing. But then there are still yeah. other possibilities that exist. Yes. So it's, it's yeah. never perfect. And it really is about staying on top of things and really, you know, advocating for yourself. And making sure that you're getting the things done that you need to to have done so that right. you have that peace, I guess, to be able to just go and, and live. Well, um, and I think I think that's it. I think it's catching before before it becomes something is kind of what my mentality I guess always has been because we went into the um the mammogram early and um and everything and and I've just kind of always been let's let's get it before it becomes something same with changing out the implants let's get it and get them out of there before I don't want to wake up one morning and have one be 
two cup sizes bigger than the other, and then it's an emergency situation. Right. And with three with three little kids, I've got to be able to plan it out. I've got to be able to um, plan it out, and I've got to be able to not anything I can do so that it's not me being in a state of urgency. Yeah. Um, and being able to keep that calm in the house and. Um, you know, we had to schedule, even just getting them changed out. I had to have my, you know, we had to see if my in-laws could come down and help with the boys, uh, because they were all in school. Could they come down and help get them to school? And, and they were here for three weeks helping us, um, at that point in time. So we were lucky that we, you know, we could schedule things and, and get everybody in play because we don't have the support system down here in North Carolina that we had in Pennsylvania with friends and such. Right. Yeah. And it does. So, I mean, it really does yeah. take a lot of coordination and figuring it things does. out and, you know, just adding in on top of just general life, three boys that you also have to take yeah. care of. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I can only imagine that, you know, that can, that can definitely be difficult. So yeah, it, it adds a little spice to things. I'm sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to say thank you so much for being a part of this, for sharing your story. Um, I always feel like it's really important for people to hear the different stories that take place behind that pink ribbon, because not everybody's journey is exactly the same. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you tonight. I really appreciate it. For sure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.